Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Welcome to the Tough Stuff Podcast. Here we go beyond vanity numbers, designer handbags, and perfect highlights to talk about the unsexy parts of business. I'm Audrey Saccone, founder of Audrey Digital, a Shopify web development agency based in New York City. We support incredible celebrity and influencer-founded brands, and I'm bringing that Rolodex straight to you so that you can get a true peek behind them and their businesses. We believe that you can learn a lot more from the lows than the highs, so we're bringing all those learnings to the forefront. Let's dive in. is the founder of fashion tech company Neon Cowboys. During college, Asia attended a country music festival and wanted a cowboy hat that would represent her American pride and identity. Knowing that neon signs are symbolic for having memorable nights, she envisioned wearable cowboy hats inspired by their glow. She believed it would be the perfect accessory to keep any party going after the sunset. After growing up with a couture designer father, Kevin Hall, and graduating with a bachelor's in computer science and art, Asia is now at the forefront of the ready-to-wear fashion tech industry with her second e-commerce company, Neon Cowboys. Since its inception, Asia has continuously evolved and expanded the Neon Cowboys brand to include even more wearable tech pieces than ever before. Asia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I've been following you for obviously a long time because you are an early student of business class, which is the course I helped launch when I worked for Sophia Amoruso. We're currently in a mastermind together and it's been really fun actually getting to know you and hearing everything that's going on inside your business because I just had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a minute because I was in the first cohort. So yeah, it's been a couple of years that we've been connected, which has been pretty fun. And I I agree, the mastermind has been really fun, especially just to see everyone's businesses learn from them, meeting you, going to the retreat. Like it's been really fabulous. So I couldn't agree with friends. (laughs) Yeah, which is great. It's great. Here on Tough Stuff, we talk about all the things we don't hear about on regular podcasts. And today we're talking about protecting your intellectual property and how to deal when your products get knocked off, which is especially relevant given the culture of dupes we're in right now. So Asia, tell us a little more about your products and what happened the first time you realized somebody copied you. Yeah, so I started the brand in 2014 by going to stage which you mentioned. And it's kind of interesting because the hats... We get a lot of people that are, you know, over the years that are like, oh, well, it's not that hard to make. And so we definitely have like knockoffs that are on a mass produced level. We also have a lot of people that do like their own fake version or whatever. And a few people did that and they went viral for it. So actually it was kind of interesting, you know, especially growing up in the maker space to then have makers claim like, oh, you know, it's not really worth the money or whatever. And I don't really, you know, I don't really want to say that they're wrong because I do understand that you can technically make a version yourself, but it's not the same as the hat that we make because obviously our hat is plastic injected. So it requires a mold. The lights are sewn on the brim. There is nine feet of lights in every hat. And so a lot of it is like, I guess, finding the cheapest way to get a similar effect for them to feel like they have the product, which I understand as well. But it was a little bit more difficult when it became a thing where like bigger brands were distributing them to like all the big box retailers. And then people were kind of getting confused and saying like, oh, this is a neon cowboy hat or like like a knockoff would hit television. We had a knockoff on like a couple of Netflix shows. And then we had the Kardashians wear a knockoff on their Hulu show recently, like last month or two months ago. So yeah, it's just kind of been like this weird journey. But I've had the, the hat for, you know, nine and a half to 10 years. So that's wild. And I know too, for you, especially, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but you, I mean, you even have relationships with some of these 
stylists too, who have access to you and know that you create the OG. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because, you know, with television, you have the, you have like this thing where you're not actually able usually to showcase a logo and or has a logo on the front of the hat, because we wanted to make sure that when people are taking selfies and whatever, you would know where to get one if you wanted one. And so that was very intentional. We even had like our hat in a campaign for Apple and we didn't even know it was going to be in the campaign. They reached out to us like a week before it launched and they just put the hat on backwards in the campaign, which was great because when then at least we still were like, oh yeah, we've been in that campaign and it's like a beautiful thing. And it was to promote their like night. It's not called night site because that's Google, but their night version of <laughs> the other night camera. <laughs> yeah, their night camera, which was beautiful for I think like iPhone 11 or something like that. So there are people that have like gone around the logo part and that has been great for us. But then there are a lot of others that just buy a knockoff because it doesn't have a logo or whatever. But yeah, it's just been kind of a crazy journey because it's very frustrating. It definitely takes away a lot of market share when it happens because the knockoffs are so much cheaper than our product. And even when I went out for investment when I was a lot younger, a lot of them were saying like, you should just knock off your hat and do like a felt version or a fabric version or a mesh version but it isn't the same product because it doesn't hold the brim as well we didn't do samples so now we're just like okay well our solution to that i guess was creating the mini version of the hat which we were like it'll be a cheaper alternative it'll be smaller but what's crazy about it is that it's actually not that much cheaper to produce because most of the hats money in cost comes from the length of the lights and the shipping from China. So even with the smaller version, they ship in a small little box. So they're not as stackable and they can't really be assembled here for packaging. So it's pretty much actually close to the same price, which is very frustrating. Well, I mean, it's kind of like how a size two dress and a size 10 dress are not that much different in cost to produce. Like, yes, it's less on material, but the process is still ultimately the same. Yeah. And also to like, you know, for our large hat, even like for us to ship it locally in America to another place in the country is like $12. And that all goes to UPS. We don't make any of that money. So I understand where it's like, yeah, in retail, you know, they're buying it in a huge thing. They're putting it in their stores and then, you know, the customer can go and pick it up. They don't have to pay for that extra shipping cost. So like if you go on our website and you want to buy it, you're like, oh, okay, I can do, you know, the $80 or whatever it is on sale. But then when you go to checkout, it's like another additional 12. They're like, oh no, that's really frustrating. And that's not something that we can really control because if we said, okay, well, all the hats are a hundred dollars and it's free shipping, it's still a conversation of like selling a hundred dollar by a cowboy hat. Now they do sell at that price, but when the knockoffs are just like able to buy 10,000 units and distribute them to all these different stores and then right. people can kind of go and pick them up, it's like way cheaper. And it's a lot of it is logistics. Yeah, it's a constant conversation that happens, but that I don't think people understand of the cost that all of these big box retailers are eating up or Amazon, you know, by not charging for shipping or not charging for express shipping. And it has reconditioned the consumer to expect free one or two day shipping from everywhere, regardless of price and really erodes the relationship that you can have with smaller retailers who can't afford to do that. Yeah, it's really, really challenging. And and we've been starting to go on Amazon. We're in like the Black Business Accelerator, which has really, really been amazing. 
and we're only selling like our face jewelry on there because it's so small. And we're set, and then we have like a profit share with our manufacturer for the mini hats that we also sell on there. So we are slowly trying to transition to that. Amazon's been asking us for years, like we want your big hat because we used to sell the big hat on Amazon and we were part of the Amazon exclusive program and we were on the homepage and we didn't have product in stock because we weren't able to get it in time and it sold out too fast. And then that becomes a whole nother cycle of like manufacturing problems and cash flow problems when you're like starting out and trying to scale. So yeah, it's really challenging. And I think there's a lot of education there that needs to happen with the consumer because I do think a lot of them just kind of blame you for your prices. Or think you're being greedy when really it just what it costs. Yeah. So going on that, you know, I know it's been a big challenge to compete up, to compete on the manufacturing side. You know, it's a lot for you to produce these hats. You know, you have a high standard that you try to keep with and it takes a lot of capital to produce in bulk. And I know you do things like pre-orders and you, you know, there are things you've done to combat that, but what's been like some learnings for you on that and what's been a challenge? Yeah, it's really, we've had to do a pre-order model the entire time the business has ever existed. And the customers get really frustrated with that because especially when they're saving for it, they usually will miss the window of when they wanted to buy the color they wanted to buy so like, for example, we ran the rainbow collection, which is just like a color, like every color hat of the rainbow once in 2018. And this is the second time we've ever run. So for the most part, people are like, well, I really want a red hat. And it's like, okay, well, you got to wait like four years until we can afford to buy it again. And that's like exactly what happens. And then people get frustrated and, you know, or they need it for their look or whatever. And they just want to go to the closest place that they can buy it or they want to like make their own. And so that's a little bit of a challenge, but it's also kind of amazing too, because they really will collect them too. Like they are definitely like a limited edition item and people do collect their whole collection. And sometimes like we have a couple customers that come in and they're like, oh, rainbow's back in stock and they'll buy one of every color because they don't know. And they know they don't know when the next one's going to come because we don't. And we try to be really transparent with that because, you know, obviously the quicker it sells, the quicker we can restock. But also, I don't want our customers to be upset. We just can't afford it. And so that kind of creates this little like interesting relationship where we have really loyal customers that are just like, okay, well, when I get some, when they have a pre-order open, we're going to buy it because we don't know if they're going to restock it or if they can restock it or if it's going to be an item that doesn't come back. So like all of our new products, we've been able to work with a few new manufacturers that have like a smaller MOQ for like our cut and sew. So yeah, we like, we'll test something up there and be like, okay, we've got like, you know, 200 units coming out. Depending on how quickly that sells, we might restock it or we might not be able to because the hats have to always stay in stock as much as possible because that's what people are coming to our store for because we've built the brand on it. The brand is literally named after the hat. Okay, so going back to the copycats and all of that that's been happening. How have you tried to protect your intellectual property? What steps have you learned to take? What did you wish you did sooner? What has that process been like? Yeah, so I had a provisional patent when I thought of the idea. And I wrote that myself. I hired somebody on some platform for like lawyer advice and they like helped me submit it. And then after that got approved, you know, provisional patent, you have like a year to file one. Like I filed like a utility patent because everyone's like, it's the strongest one possible. Like, you know, design patents can only do so much. And so I was like, all right, we'll try and go for like real protection because it probably will get knocked off. 
And it took like five or six years to get that patent. It cost like tens of thousands of dollars to get that patent. And it is, well, a few things. It's not very helpful because obviously there's patent, or there's like knockoffs on the market. But I had a couple of calls like last few months since the Kardashians and since, you know, people like during Halloween time is when a lot of them pop up because that's what people, that's our best time of sales. So actually it really, really fucks with our sales like really hardcore. And basically we talked to a couple of attorneys and one of them had said some really great advice where she was like, to be honest and to be very frank, your patent is obviously effective because there are no transparent versions on the market. And I think that was the first time that I really heard it like that because as a career and a designer, it's super frustrating for me because I'm just like, oh man, I like put all this money into this and I put all this work into getting the brand out there and like people are tagging us like every day on knockoffs because they don't even know and and it, and it might be an issue of trade dress but we'd have to like claim that and we'd have to like fight for that and we can only fight for that once so it's like building the case before i can even go and try and do that is a little bit expensive and it's frustrating because it's like okay the patent and everything's been paid off and we've invested so much and all of this money but she was like they can't make a transparent version so it'll never glow like yours which is why it isn't felt and that was the first time i appreciated it amongst the knockoffs obviously i was like super excited when i got the patent because i we had fought so hard for it and also for me as a black creator and designer and i am half chinese as well it was really important for me to say you know i have a patent I was the originator of this product. And there is a lot of products and a lot of product development that I've done that I could probably get patents for. And now it's more of a thing of like, is that where we put the money? Or is it more like, let's really get this inventory handled? Because when I started, that was like the thing, because I was like, okay, well, then we'll have a lot of runway to start selling. But instead, they kind of like, once it got approved, they were like, oh, this is where the loopholes are. And then that's when they started hitting the market was actually after they got approved. So, and that's what a lot of lawyers will say to you anyways, is like, you're safer as patent pending than you are having it public. That's so interesting is that because they don't understand what's going to be in the patent. So they just play it safe. They just kind of weep. That's so interesting. So really, it actually helped you that it took or like it delayed the inevitable, essentially, by the patent taking yeah. so long to be approved. Yeah. And I mean, there are versions like they there had been like the version where it's just like there were, you know, LEDs around the brim of the hat that existed before me. That's not what our hat looks like, though. Like it doesn't have those lights. They're different lights. And also the inverter and the battery placement and everything for mine, I made the hat crown taller so it could sit inside of the hat and not actually run down your neck and stuff like that and like all the new ones have they've made molds for it so it's just kind of like okay well it's clearly my act but they don't make it out of the same material and that is the the caveat yeah i know you've done a lot of things to react to these copycats whether it's working with a lawyer responding Uh online you know what helps you sleep at night and like what's always your first reaction when you see something new coming on the market that's just like your product I don't know. I think I'm getting a little bit more over it, probably because I have to. Like, I think there's like no other, like I used to get really scorned and it got kind of ruined. And also like negative comments are negative comments and they hurt everybody. And I think a lot of people don't understand how small we are in terms of like a team and who they're actually talking to and the fact that I'm actually reading them and, you know, all that stuff. You look like a big team. Like if you go to your website, it's like, oh, she's got 20 employees and you're a team of 
three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're a team of three. We have an engineer and we have my partner and that's it. (laughs) So And and you. (laughs) And me. So we do everything ourselves, which is mostly me in terms of like forward facing. We do have a customer service team member from a third party firm in the Philippines that we also work with. And we have somebody in the warehouse that fulfills all the orders. So it's really small, but I mean, we like to keep it that way if we can kind of scale with like more tools because it's just like scaling the business is like a really big. It's really hard. We used It's really hard. We used to have like eight people. And so, I mean, it was helpful because all the channels were growing a lot faster, but it's also a lot to like kind of like really manage. So yeah, no, I think we look like a really big team. And I think that I... I mean, it was kind of really frustrating because we did get knockoffs of our other products in the last two months. And that was kind of a little crazy just because usually it's the hat. But we worked really closely with China. And now that we're on Amazon, we get knockoffs a lot faster because everyone on Amazon is mostly Chinese companies selling direct. And so that's right. been a really huge issue for us in terms of knockoffs, but also in terms of price competition because they're selling it at cost to us. So what our cost would be would be the price on Amazon. So we have to make our margin for our team or overhead and our marketing, but they don't. And so that's been a little bit challenging. And we are on Amazon like brand registry. So actually we had like the bottle of inner keychains knocked off and we like told Amazon about it and they took it down like the next day. So it is helpful because we're kind of a double-edged sword where it's like, okay, now they're seeing our product and we're getting knockoff sooner. But because we're working with brand registry, as long as we can prove that it was ours, then like they'll get rid of it. But yeah, other things like our boots and stuff getting knocked off that really like it just gets a little bit crazy when you're realizing like oh every single idea i have somebody else is going to want to profit off of it and so i guess emotionally and mentally it's kind of like how much money do we really spend towards this how important is it for people to know it's really us and we're having more and more conversations with buyers and distributors and trying to make more volume orders and i think that that's really going to help not feel so like attacked when these things happen because it's going to affect everybody not just like you know me myself and my like two people so we're trying to kind of pivot a little bit in that direction so that we can get the product out there and the brand out there faster because yeah most people have probably seen our products online from viral posts but they don't necessarily know that we make them or that we own patents well speaking of viral posts and things being on some very famous people you've had your products beyond some really notable celebrity clients like Beyonce and Kesha. And how did those projects come about? And, you know, what's been exciting about doing that type of custom work in addition to your direct-to-consumer? Yeah, so we do get a lot of celebrities because, you know, I say it a lot, but I believe we are the number one brand for light integration in apparel and accessories. And so... With celebrities in particular, they want a lot of lights for stage performances, mm-hmm. for music videos, sometimes red carpet. So we have a lot of relationships with a lot of stylists that reach out for the projects and the mood boards and stuff that they want to create. And that's how they usually come. They usually come to us with a project in mind where they're like, oh, we have this scene and like this music video where water can flow and whatever. And that's super fun for us because the three of us are really like, product designers and developers and engineers and makers. And so 
when we get like projects like that, it's like, okay, we can make, you know, we can go a little crazy on a one-off. Then we can learn a new technique and figure out how to like scale that back for mass production. So it's a little crazy because the business has so many different channels of, I guess, sales, but also in terms of reach. But we try to use all those opportunities to get us more evergreen products that will consistently stay on the market on our website. And then now we're trying to push that off on Amazon while protecting us. So it's been kind of like, it's kind of like a trickle down effect, which I know a lot of designers do. Ours is just a little crazy because it does require MOQs that designers don't have like at all. Right. Our MOQs are just ridiculous because we're working with plastic and we're working with lights and lights are very much like you have to order a lot unless you're doing a celebrity piece and then it's a one-off, but then you're buying the lights at retail. So it's a really expensive piece. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to it that is not as simple or as straightforward as I think the general consumer realizes. And Mm -hmm. I hope anyone who's listening to this can understand that, you know, the plight of the small business owner is in no way exaggerated. And it's really difficult to be producing physical products, especially ones that are unique like yours. Yeah, the consumer good industry is so crazy and tricky to me, especially because like even VCs are like, they won't touch it. You know what I mean? Like we don't do software. We're a tech brand, but we're a consumer goods tech brand. And like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to even be unless you're someone like Apple. And so it is really challenging, but we have good partners. We have good factories. We have good marketing. We have good branding. We have a lot of loyal customers, a lot of fanatics. And, and you so have a good product. Like, we do. Our stuff is so cool. <laughs> we have some cool stuff it's just a long journey and i think that's the other thing it's like people don't know that i've been doing this for 10 years you know what i mean and so it's kind of like the plight of it is the struggle is like not really talked about a lot unless people probably know me but well if people do want to know you and the brand and follow along where can they (laughs) find you yeah sure so our website is neoncowboys.com our instagram is at neoncowboys our tiktok is at (laughs) neoncowboys.com Which I love because people like they'll tag us and be like, where do I buy this at neoncowboys.com? And I'm like, right there. You said it. And your own comment. And then my personal account is asia.hall on Instagram. But it doesn't really matter because I'm still the person that reads all the DMs. So. Oh, I know. I know you're in there. I need to get out of there. Well, Well, you'll get there. You'll get there. I believe in you. Thank you. Well, Asia, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your invaluable insights here on Tough Stuff. Listeners, don't forget to share your thoughts on this episode on our latest post at Tough Stuff Pod and hit that subscribe button to always get the latest episodes in your favorite podcast app. I'll see you next time. Tough Stuff is powered by Ice Vanilla Lattes and the team at Fast Forward Productions. Thank you to our guest for joining us for today's episode. Everything we talked about today can be found in our show notes and on toughstuffpod.com. And a very special thanks to you for tuning in. See you next time.